This is the Bouquet Toss Podcast, brought to you by the Budget Savvy Bride. We're here to help you figure out what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Join founder Jessica Bishop and editor Sari Wienerman as we unpack wedding trends and traditions to help you plan a wedding that feels authentic to you. So before you get cold feet, let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Bouquet Toss. Today, we are disrupting able-bodied privilege in the wedding industry. Disabled people make up 20 to 30% of the U.S. population, and 50% of people suffer from chronic pain. While there are pockets of the internet that cater to disabled couples, it's typically not exclusively and certainly not mainstream, which makes wedding planning a particularly painstaking process for such a large number of couples. That's why we're so excited to have Mira Bartlett with us today to talk about and raise awareness for how we can help make the wedding experience for disabled couples as comfortable as possible. Mira is a disabled author and blogger who experienced the difficulty in planning a wedding firsthand. So she combined her experience with extensive research to write Wedding Planning for Spoonies, the first wedding planner book to focus on people with physical disabilities. The book, which released on Valentine's Day 2021, offers planning inspiration, step-by-step timelines, and stories from disabled couples around the world to help make the wedding experience as comfortable as possible. Her goal is to give disabled couples more mainstream attention by opening the idea of a disabled wedding to vendors and doctors while providing resources and ideas for the couple as well. We are so honored to have you here today to talk about all of this and help make this process just easier and more comfortable for every couple. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited to be here too. You very well articulated, you know, what the book is about and how important it is. With the book, I'm aiming to shed some light on disabled couples in a mainstream sort of way. Like you have wedding books, wedding planners for like, they're like all cute looking and they're basically, a lot of them are the same thing, um, just over and over again. A few of them are specialized. Like I read Y'all's Budget Savvy Bride book when I was planning my wedding. And that was kind of like my Bible back when I was doing that. I just kind of wanted, because you know, there's wonderful places on the web for things like disabled people planning weddings. You have The Mighty, where I also write. You have Offbeat Bride. I've written there too. And they're wonderful resources. And I'm not trying to take away from those resources. But I was just like, okay, why are disabled weddings considered weird? I mean, you're talking about 50% of the population with chronic pain. And I talk about, you know, how to find a wedding dress when you have chronic pain because it's different. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you find your beautiful dress, but, you know, where do you find it? That How do you make sure when you try on dresses that you're comfortable and you're not extremely tired by the time you finish doing that? These are all amazingly important things. And before we dive into more of them, I want to just stop for a second and have you define the term spoonies for everybody, because I'm sure most listeners don't actually know what that refers to. So can you tell us what that means? So a spoonie is someone who has a chronic illness or disability. It's come from the spoon theory where a disabled or chronically ill person, however they identify, has a finite amount of spoons. Let's say you have 12 spoons and every spoon is like one individual task that you have to do. The original spoon theory, um, she and her roommate 
we're at a restaurant and her roommate's like, well, why, why are you so tired? And, um, she was like, she gave her room the 12 spoons and for everything she did, like getting up in the morning, brushing her teeth, doing her hair, a spoon was taken away. And by the end of the morning, she had only six spoons left. And so for every little thing like self-care, being clean, um, things like that, just, it, it just, she ran out of spoons quickly is what I'm trying to say. And um, it was that interaction that spawned the whole spoony culture, uh, which is basically just saying that we run out of energy and capability like bandwidth i've heard some people call it than the average person would because one we have less spoons and two you take more spoons to do everyday things that should not take spoons thank you thank you for explaining that that makes complete sense i think that it's just something really important to look at for the wedding planning process specifically you know the wedding day that's one thing but the wedding planning process is so involved and so you can imagine that a person who is experiencing the stress of this decision making this having to put everything together all these details and then on top of that dealing with chronic pain or you know something that is making that all of that so much harder. And it's so generous of you to be creating a resource specifically for that. And I think what we really need to remember, you know, we said the numbers at the start of this episode, but the number of people living with something like this is actually so high. And maybe you don't identify that way yourself. Maybe, you know, you aren't experiencing that, but there's likely at least one, if not 20 people coming to your wedding that also experience this type of thing. And so not only when you're planning for yourself, may you need those accommodations, but you should also be planning to provide those accommodations to the guests coming to your wedding. That's completely correct. And I also have a section in the book that goes over planning around people who may have disabilities coming to your wedding, particularly about like, you know, DJs, um, lights and sounds, things like that, food, um, transportation, seating. Like, you know, a big thing that I think of is DJs who have a lot of flashing lights. And that gives people migraines, that gives people a number of other things that would make them not enjoy your wedding. So if you really want a DJ and that's how you're doing it, you can talk to the DJ about like not doing those things. And you can apply this to, you know, bridegroom, soon-lyweds, as well as your guests. A big thing is you can figure out who needs what in your wedding invitation on your RSVP card. So like a lot of people already do food on their RSVP card. But, you know, I have in my book kind of, do you have any sensory problems? And I lit, there's like a kind of bubbles of different situations, like sound, lights, or walking, mobility. Like if you're in a remote area where you have to walk through trees and mud and all that stuff, that's not going to be good for people who have mobility issues. And depending on you, that might not, that might not be good for you as well. But in this bubble that I put on the invitations, you can circle whatever you want, or you don't have to circle anything at all. But it kind of gives you more of a ballpark of, okay, who, who needs what? Because a lot of times people don't tell us what they need unless we go out of our way to ask. 
Yeah, I think that also just shows a level of like care and consideration for your guests as well, which is, I'm sure, very appreciated by anybody who has special needs, whatever they might be. Like, for example, I have a younger sister with epilepsy. So like the bright lights and sounds thing could potentially be an issue for her. And so seeing an option to indicate any potential struggles on an RSVP card would probably give that person a bit more peace of mind and make them feel more comfortable and less nervous about attending and having to worry about something like that impacting their experience of the day. Yes, exactly. Because weddings, I hate to say it, are not just about the couple. You can try to make it that way as much as you can, and I recommend it. (laughs) But there's going to be family, there's going to be plus ones that you didn't plan for. To me, weddings are kind of a community thing. And if you're not taking care of people in your community, then, you know, what are you doing having a wedding and inviting all these people? You need to make sure they're taken care of. And I guess I'm talking about this from a abled perspective when, I, when I'm talking about it. But like I said, it's so prevalent and it's so little talked about that I don't see why you don't see more disabled couples like in the spotlight. And they're not, and they don't look super weird. There's like a bride in a princess dress and a wheelchair and a man who may or may not be abled. And, you know, it's just, it's about taking care of yourself and taking care of your community. Being considerate in your wedding planning is something that you should think about. And not just, you know, I want the prettiest thing. I'm going to show the world that I'm the classiest girl in the world or guy. Or anyone, I'm so classy, look at this ornate wedding that I have that I spent too much money on. And that's another thing about the book is that it's a budget book. Because, you know, most people with disabilities are going to have like a smaller window of funds to spend on something like a wedding. You know, all the medical costs that go into it that you already deal with and then, oh, I have to plan a wedding. And so you can throw a wedding for like $1,000. You can do $5,000, $3,000. You just have to, you know, be really resourceful. And if you have a community, utilize that community as much as you can. You might be surprised of of who wants to help. But the thing is with a lot of disabled people, I'm not talking from my experience, but the experience of people that were involved in helping me write the book, that a lot of disabled people don't like it when people help them because it makes them feel inferior and so in the book I talk about how to accept help and pretty much like the core of the first part of the book is know your vision know what you want do not compromise on your theme basically you know if someone comes by and they are disrupting your theme you could be like bye person we don't want you or you know If someone is coming in and helping you, but they're focused on the same goal of your theme, then it's okay to accept that help because it's not veering you off course. That would be belittling. And and this person would probably just want to support you. And so that's a different way to reframe it, to keep a disabled person from feeling infantilized. I think that's so important to bring up. And it's also why we want to be raising awareness and having people really talk about this more because you're right, there probably feels like a disabled tax on the person that has to figure out how to get accommodations and things like that from their vendors when you should never be paying more 
to just have these accommodations happen for you, right? Like if you're going to a vendor and they're saying, well, in order to put that ramp there so that everybody can walk from point A to point B, it's going to cost you X, Y, Z more. Like that's not okay. That shouldn't be happening. And that's why it's amazing to have a book like yours that can give people the confidence to say, this is not the vendor for me if they're going to be charging extra just for me to have the accommodations that we need. Exactly. That's part of the reason why I wrote the book was to be like, hey, look, this is an underserved market for some reason, even though it's a huge group of people. So, you know, raising that awareness and making sure that doesn't happen at all, hopefully. But I do know that it sometimes does happen. There's also some DIY things you can do. You can build your own ramps. And some ramps are super easy to make. If you want to go for a rustic look, you can put down weathered wood, just a roll of wooden planks to the altar. And that works for people who use wheelchairs or who use wheeled walkers. This is especially true in outdoor space. If you build that plank aisle, you'll be able to have that wedding on a grassy knoll, you know, in a park or something. At The Budget Savvy Bride, we love providing savvy resources to couples that help them decrease their wedding spending. One of the big ticket items for any wedding is flowers, but what if you could cut your floral budget by over 50%? Well, we're here to tell you that with Flower Moxie, you can. Flower Moxie is a DIY flower company that ships all over the US. They sell gorgeous wholesale flowers that you build yourself a couple of days before your wedding. We're talking boutonnieres, bouquets, floral arches, centerpieces, and the corresponding tutorials to set you up for success. Flower Moxie was founded by an actual wedding florist, so the tricky parts like quantities, color palettes, and flower recipes are all figured out for you. With over 40 collections to choose from, it's kind of like Blue Apron, but for flowers. You get the ingredients and follow the recipe to assemble yourself. So if you want to cut your flower budget in half, double your bragging rights, and create the absolute best wedding memories by building your bouquets with your bridesmaids, Head to thebudgetsavvybride.com slash flowermoxie and start your DIY flower journey today. Something we should just point out is that although, you know, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, federal law was passed in 1992, there are facilities built before then that are less strict on having to have been updated to be ADA compliant. And so while you might think that, you know, you're going to these venues and they likely are thinking about these things because they want to be ADA compliant, they might not actually really be up to date. And so it is on you as, you know, the person planning to ask those questions and to push for the things that you need so that everybody that's going to be there is going to be taken care of. Yes, yes, exactly. Working with vendors of any kind, like I have a whole list of questions to ask your venue vendor. Does it have, you know, accessible bathrooms? Because a lot of things don't have accessible bathrooms. I know of a church venue who, it was built in the 1970s and they had like the worst bathrooms and then they got a remodel this past year and they have ADA bathrooms. They have, they have ramps. They actually had their first wedding there in like 20 years, like I think last week, but they were able to include everyone because of the building code, the building getting up to date. 
and if you're getting married in a heavily wooded area like uh, the church was like a little white church in the woods they had to go through a lot of red tape because of environmental factors it was in the middle of a reserve for an endangered bird and a lot of times like places that they're in really remote areas and there's like weird laws around them they don't always get to renovate when they need to like we had a man in a motorized who used a motorized wheelchair and he couldn't get into the building before it was remodeled and now he can so you know you're completely right about places not being up to date and even places that are ADA compliant I put that in air quotes they don't have ramps if they do have ramps it's in the back of the building where the bathrooms are and if you're a bride you don't want to be like wheeling up past the bathrooms you don't feel like a bride when you do that you know so having ramps on the front to help you feel like you're more of a bride you're going in the you're going in the front people are going to see you be beautiful and all this stuff and I did see one article about this woman who had who finally found a ADA compliant venue with ramps in the front and they actually they actually decorated the ramp she was using and um, she put runners on the ramps to make them pretty so you can decorate your ramps the even the ones that already exist you know you can make it beautiful you know it it shouldn't be something to be ashamed of or put in the back next to the bathrooms. There's ways that you can celebrate who you are, all of you. It's so interesting, honestly. You know, one of the things we hear from our community constantly from every type of couple is that finding like an affordable venue that like meets their, you know, aesthetic vision is already a challenge, you know, within their budget. But then you add in finding something that is ADA compliant or has the appropriate accommodations. It makes the venue search in particular, I'm sure, a bit more challenging or a lot more challenging. So I know we've talked a lot about venues, we talked a little bit about lights, but what are some other considerations that you might need to make in your wedding day? I would recommend going to a venue that has bedrooms, like, you know, a cabin or a hotel. I would really recommend hotels because not only do they have bedrooms, you usually have those low curbs when you go into the the hotel. You can easily get a wheelchair pass, but they also usually come with built-in wedding planners. And honestly, I highly recommend wedding planners. I think you can actually save money using a wedding planner because they know things. For people who are kind of on the fence about it, hotels can be pretty cheap as to letting you put your event there. And if you do go this route, um, this is for the spoony part. I ran out of spoons in my wedding very quickly. And I had a house wedding, so I just went to a bedroom. But at a hotel, there's more amenities for everyone. And if you need to, if you run out of spoons, you can just go hide and take a nap. during, Even during your reception, that's what I did. I took a nap during my reception. You can take a nap in in a hotel room and then, you know, 30 minutes later, you're okay. You're ready to go dance or sit and shake hands with everybody if you want to at your reception, which will also be at the hotel, which means you don't have to travel. All-inclusive venues are the best things you can do for yourself. 
and it doesn't have to be fancy like some ranches are you can you can go to a ranch and you can um, have your wedding outside and then you can go into like a barn or whatever that's on the same property and have like your reception or vice versa i don't think it's worth it if you have a medical condition to travel to a different venue that's a really great tip actually finding an a venue that can serve for both the ceremony and reception so you don't have to travel between is probably going to save a lot of like logistics and stress and you know energy for you and your guests right exactly Yeah, that's a great tip. And I think one of the things that we try to encourage all couples about with the podcast and the blog and everything else is, you know, to have your day your way. And, and so planning and choosing options that allow for those accommodations for yourself is the best thing. I really appreciate you giving us a look into your wedding and what you were able to do. And, you know, from that experience and you kind of had this expertise, right, to work on this book and talk with other couples. And I'm curious to know from when you got married and all the things you learned, how much do you feel like things have maybe changed? Maybe it's not at all. Maybe it's a little, but how much do you think vendors and and just society in general have been more open to knowing about chronic disability and pain and things that people are going through and actually being accommodating? And how much do you think is kind of lagging in the process of getting there? I think with the COVID pandemic, there has been great strides in um, providing for disabled communities. Because I mean, like, you know, you can get married over Zoom now and you just need a nice camera and an internet connection. You can wear your wedding dress and your husband can dress up in a tie. Your partner can dress up in a suit and tie. And you can just get married that way. You don't have to have people around unless you want them. Um, And if you do have people around, it's like there's a low recommended number of people who should be there. And honestly, you know, small weddings, small intimate weddings, I think are the best weddings. At least it was for me. I didn't want a lot of people around, especially people who didn't know about my disability because, you know, if you're having these giant weddings and you're having a problem on your wedding day because of an illness or a disability, you're, you you feel like you have to explain yourself to like so many people because you're embarrassed. So if you have a small intimate wedding where everybody knows about your disability or your chronic illness, you feel a lot more at ease because you know these people aren't going to judge you. And that just takes a lot of stress off of the wedding day. So I think the movement towards, they call them micro weddings, I mean, or elopements. I really don't get why people call it that. I had, I technically had a micro wedding on purpose, but like, I think it's weird that we have to separate these weddings. Like a wedding is like 400 people. And then I never hear about mid-sized weddings. I only hear about the giant ones and the really small ones. I think that's weird and a little bit ableist, honestly, you know, because in my book, I interviewed a woman who had a backyard micro wedding, as they would call it. And she loved her wedding. They got married in their backyard. Her husband spent a long time sprucing it up so it looked like a tropical island. And um, she originally decided to take wedding planning into her own hands because she was trying to work with wedding planners and they kept pushing her to these giant venues where the people she wanted to invite wouldn't be enough 
for the venues. And she got so mad at the wedding industry for pushing this on her that she decided, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to get married in my backyard. I'm going to get my wedding dress from online and my mom's going to alter it and it's going to be great. And she absolutely loved her wedding day. Like you don't, you don't have to label weddings as weddings, as big weddings or small weddings as micro weddings. Because I feel like micro wedding term is kind of derogatory, but you're seeing that more with the pandemic and you're seeing more people go the way this woman went with her wedding. Um, So I think things have drastically improved, not for a good reason. Like, you know, I wish we never went through the pandemic, but you know, it did help some people. I love so many of the points that you just made. (laughs) I feel like the wedding industrial complex, you know, as a whole really does promote this idea that a wedding, a traditional quote unquote wedding is this big, expensive, elaborate affair. And that's like something we're trying to bust completely. A wedding is a wedding, no matter if it's just the two of you and an efficient or 400 people, it's still a wedding. So I love that. And yeah, the the cheesy uh, names for the different sizes of weddings is just something that isn't really necessary. It's just another marketing play from the wedding industrial complex at large. But yeah, I love so many of the points that you shared there. And just, I was like snapping my fingers over here. Like, yes, agree, agree. <laughs> Thank you. So I would love for you to be able to give our listeners a better idea of where they can find more about you, where they can get the book. Can you give us just, you know, all of those details? Yes. So my book is available on Amazon. It's also available at Target, Barnes and Noble, Watermark. And I have a link tree, wedding planning for spooties dot link tree. You can get it in Australia. You can get it. It's around the world. Is it available on Kindle? It is available on Kindle, and you can also get the paperback form if you so choose. I have the website Spooty Lifestyle where you can find out more information about the book and kind of see my journey as a writer. That's SpoonyLifestyle.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mira. This was so great to be able to talk about this with you, to learn so much from you, and just to get to know you a little more. Yes, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you for inviting me. I really, I'm kind of really humbled by the response I've gotten from this book. It was obviously very, very needed. And we're so glad that you created this amazing resource. And we're excited to share that and this episode with our audience. Yes. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss, the podcast dedicated to uncovering where wedding trends and traditions come from so that you can plan your wedding your way. We're continuing the discussion in our private community. Join our supportive group of brides-to-be by heading to thebudgetsavvybride.com community. Now it's your turn to catch the bouquet as we toss it over to you to rate and review on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay true to you, And we look forward to chatting again soon.